0: Hello everybody, welcome back. It's the Philosopher's Stone podcast, uh, TPS podcast, some people refer to that lovingly. Um my name is Jordan Strauss and the man this the, on the other end of the microphone <laughs> is Sam Laboon. How you doing, Sam? That was not my best intro. I, I apologize for that.
1: Yeah, I don't I don't think micro Phones have two ends. That like one person's on one end, one person's on the other. That doesn't make any sense.
0: Well, I would like to ask you what you have in your hand. A Microphone? Right now? Yeah. Uh, nothing actually
1: right now. Okay, but you okay? I have a stand for my microphone. <laughs> I,
0: have is, is I Have a metal arm. that a metal arm that holds with it for the, me? The, 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 <laughs> the system that separates you and I begins and ends with microphones so they are on end right
1: <clears throat> i guess <laughs> like you know what i mean yeah the other end of the connection
0: yeah like your voice is going into a microphone i guess it's actually the other end of your it would be my headphones anyways yeah. deep questions that's what this podcast is all about deep fucking questions um Sorry, I'm going to try and not curse as much. Um, this uh, weekend, little little update on uh, everything that's going on in my life. Uh, website is still not <laughs> completely done. We ran into some Ugh. issues and we kind of had to dis- uh, disassemble and reassemble it. But uh, my brother is doing that work now instead of Sharon. Sharon's done. She's out of the picture. Now Joel Strauss is being employed to uh, kind of get it up to up to the standards we need it, but it should still be the album should still be released on Saturday. So check JordanStraussComedy.com for that. Uh, the funny thing about cancer album will raise money. Twenty percent of all proceeds go to bone cancer research. It's a pay what you want download. Check it out. If you're listening to this and it's past Saturday or on Saturday, March 25th, 2023, it is available. So go get it. And uh very exciting time for comedy in uh, our city this weekend because we have TV's John Doerr headlining all over the city. Whoa, ho, ho, ho. what a get.
1: Holy Canadian
0: shit. comedy legend, uh, recent Juno Award winner. He won the Juno for comedy album of The Year. Uh, recently. Um, I don't know. It might have been. Yeah. Anyways, so that's very exciting. I'm getting to open up. I'm actually middling for him on Friday. Um, Congratulations. So I get to do 20 minutes for the JD. Um, (laughs) And I'm excited to see his new material. And it's just exciting. It's an exciting name to get in our small scene. And uh, shout out to Valina Taskoff and Jackpot Comedy for... Making that happen, and uh, yeah, I'm very excited. I'm excited. So a big weekend for me, comedically speaking. Damn. Um, so that's exciting. Sam, how is? What's up with you? I gotta, I, you know what? I gotta, I got something to talk about as far as comedy competitions go. Um, but let me t- let me hear about your. What's up with you first?
1: Well, what's up with me? Uh, cooked a big dinner tonight. What'd you make? Pretty good. Uh, I made a, it's from a cookbook from a chef named Odolingue. Odolingue. I, I think he's Israeli. Wow. Uh, yeah. So I cooked up one of his recipes. It was a uh, slow cooked like zucchinis with cherry tomatoes and oregano. You slow cooked that. Yeah. And then I uh, made some mashed potatoes, bought a rotisserie chicken, sort of threw, threw this little thing together. No, you just threw that little thing right together, eh?
0: Right? <laughs> <laughs> We're making um, stir fry tonight with a rotisserie chicken. So,
1: ah, oh, uh, great. Got that the the rotisserie white. chicken? Such a versatile uh, thing you oh, can pick up. We
0: love it. And you got to take we take it apart like we pick it apart right when we get it while it's still warm. Separate dark meat from black meat because <laughs> we don't we don't like those two mingling in our household. Uh, dark, and then, dark and light meat yeah and yeah and uh and then uh yeah then you just have like on hand delicious chicken for wow. like a week and you can toss it in anything i made a sandwich with it today um nice and then i was going to stir fry and that's Perfect. pretty cool pretty cool look at that nice yes um what was i gonna say yeah this
1: guy this guy's uh cookbook has some um, Very interesting recipes in it, including uh, chicken wings. You make chicken wings and then you make a sauce for them called banana ketchup.
0: I heard banana ketchup is very popular uh, everywhere else in the world besides where we live. Finally, someone else has heard about it. Like I keep telling people like I want to make banana
1: ketchup and they look at me like I'm out of my mind.
0: I have heard about it before, and I heard it's the shit. I've also, you know, there's a, the other one, the other ketchup that doesn't get enough shine in our area is curry ketchup. That was huge. curry ketchup. It's huge in Europe or in Germany. It was like every, you would use curry ketchup as your standard ketchup. Wow, and it's very delicious. It's it's really you, it's hard to make. I tried mixing just normal ketchup with curry powder, and it wasn't even. Even close. <laughs> oh <But my> god! <laughs> I did find a uh, German deli in town that sells the real deal. So wow. It's, uh, it's very Yes, actually. <laughs> um, <the> <laughs> yeah, so actually I'm going to go pick up another bottle of that soon. Um, but yeah, I have heard of banana ketchup. I wonder if I could buy that in town somewhere.
1: I don't know. The recipe I have, you have to make it. You use uh, a bunch of chilies. Fresno chilies? I think you use Fresno chilies.
0: And overripe bananas. Interesting. Interesting. So it's interesting. like
1: instead of banana bread, you can
0: make ketchup. Wow, I would and still probably go for banana bread, 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 bread. bread over ketchup if I was going <laughs> to decide what to use. But uh, you yeah, know what I've been make making? Yeah. Uh, actually, it was my second time making it. Yesterday was is uh, risotto, which is fucking delicious. If you if you haven't gotten into risotto, you should try oh, risotto. Risotto, amazing yes but it takes forever to make um it's not difficult to make i think lots of people think that it's difficult to make it's actually just time consuming and it requires your full attention while it's being made hmm. but it's actually a very easy dish to make and it's so so good if you want to fucking just be sitting in front of the stovetop for a good 30 to 40 minutes damn what kind of rice do you use for that there, I forget the name, but it is specifically for risotto, um, and it mm. absorbs an ungodly amount of liquid. Like that's why it takes yeah. so long because you're constantly mm. having to add more broth uh, for it to absorb. I use two full things of stock, two full containers of chicken stock to make this risotto.
1: That's Whoa. how much it, it
0: absorbs, that rice absorbs it, which is also why it's so delicious because there's so much flavor packed into these little rice things. And then wow. the starch in the rice makes it super creamy. Like you, you would think that you would need to use like heavy cream to get that consistency, but it's all just from the rice. It's it's literally just that rice, the stock of your choice, um, some, some olive oil, shallots, and then whatever herbs you want. I put thyme and sage in mine and then whatever, if you want to put meat in there, I put big chunks of rotisserie chicken in there and uh, holy crap. And it's even better the second day. So I highly recommend just putting a podcast in. The thing is, is, you have to be at the the thing, stirring it around, constantly waiting for the for the liquid to be absorbed and then adding another ladle full in there and then keep it moving, keep it moving. So you get, you get a little bit of carpal tunnel, but it's totally worth it. Um, All right.
1: And it, but yeah. I'm gonna do some tr- seafood risotto.
0: Do risotto. it, man! I had a salmon risotto at uh, at the uh, Sparkling Hills Resort, and it was so good. Um, so I think you would just need some fish stock and some salmon and whatever herbs you want. And I, I think Whoa. I think putting <laughs> okay, in like a groomsy. I think what a, a shallot in there, like a really finely cut up shallot, is pretty standard too. Um, pretty standard. All right. But yeah. All right. I always thought Next it one was a like technically difficult all dish, all right. and that's why no one made it. <laughs> <laughs> dude i my cooking game's been stepped up quite a bit since we were roommates all right yeah fair enough, fair enough. i don't <laughs> i don't use cookbooks i feel the food i feel the recipes in the ether that's a sign of a good chef um so yeah anyways how is the i see you are you've made the finals of this comedy competition thousand yeah. dollars um thousand dollars april 1st toronto Queen's Key, the Goodman Pub, Saturday, uh, April 1st. Is that a regular venue that you do? Uh, I did it once before
1: in the tournament, but it's it's not like a regular venue, no. It's like a nice restaurant on the waterfront.
0: Ooh, okay. Yeah. Uh, Lynx Air just put in uh, Kelowna to Toronto flights for 80 bucks, so I'm going to be coming <laughs> out there. I'm going to be coming out there on a very cramped airplane with about three socks in my luggage, because that's all <laughs> they let you have. Um. But I am going to come out there. Three and, socks. Uh, eh? So comedy competitions. I, yeah. <laughs> One for my right. dick, bro. Um <laughs> <laughs> All right. Comedy competitions. There was an upset. Uh, actually, an injustice that occurred. Ooh. All right. Uh, at our, injustice, eh? And right. there's really, I'm not placing blame on anyone. All right. I'm saying. The, the, That's the, what justice the, is all about, though, right? blaming people well if there's someone to blame it's dave cock for it. it's dave <laughs> dave it. cock cool dave cock yeah he changed <laughs> his name it's dave Cock for the way that he structured these shows um are hmm. the the intrinsic flaw of audience voting um right so what happened was there's a fairly new comic in town, and I, like I said, she didn't do anything wrong. She did what she was supposed to do. She brought people to a show, but she brought yeah. twenty five people. So, I'd say that's, that's a lot of people. That's 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 that's, uh, that's a little less than half of the audience, uh, and they were all seated right up front. So, we had it was a show. Wow. It was six comics, I think, or seven, and three of them were probably less than. Less than two years in. So, Uh you know, they did they did their sets and they it was fine. It was like they did their two years into comedy uh, kind of sets. Uh Uh, They didn't bomb by any means, but they were the weakest three sets of the night by far. Um, And then Bonnie S.N. Shout out Bonnie. She's a loyal listener. She goes up and destroys like like the whole her whole set front to back. Had them in the palm of their hand, of her hand, the whole time. Right? To well, me, the, to me, the clear winner of the night. My set was about, you know, I'd say I I, I crushed for about seventy percent of it, and then had a had a kind of meh thirty percent. Um, and the cr- audience was getting drunker and drunker as the show went on. Uh, Ferris had probably the biggest laughs, but I still think Bonnie had the most consistent. Crushed for the whole her whole duration of her Set um, so I thought She won easily Chrome. By the time Chrome got up there the, the audience was so Unruly that he literally couldn't get a joke Out so he was kind of fucked from the jump um, But when it came ah, down to voting goes. When it came down to voting Audience vote Guess who wins the thousand dollar Prize The person who probably had the Weakest set of the night And again, I'm not blaming her. She did what she was told to do, bring people to a comedy show. Um, So it's not her fault, but a clear, clear example. And it was clear to everyone who was there that the way a winner was decided via audience applause is severely flawed when people can bring 25 people, right? So uh, I don't know. I don't know what the rest of the audience thought walking out of there, but it was like the the weakest comic won the top, won the prize, thousand dollars. It's a big that's someone's rent pretty much. So it's not like oh they won a hundred bucks. It's they this won a, is huge a chunk yeah. of money that um, people would
1: go on. Sorry, your audio cut out for a second. Oh oh, I think the internet might be. Buffering or something.
0: Buffer. So, anyways, <laughs> congrats to the uh, to the comic that won. Like I said, I'm not blaming her. It's not her fault. She did what she was supposed to do. But uh, I felt bad for Bonnie or Kyle Ferris potentially, because either one of them could have been uh, justified as the winner. So, really just put a yeah, bad the- taste in my mouth for comedy competitions that are audience vote. Um,
1: mm-hmm. I... So, so here's here's my my opinion. Um, so Dave Cop runs this. Yes. Now Dave Cop, he's a smart geopolitical player, and he understands that you need, in some ways, you guys need him more than he needs you at this point. Because this is this is the way he's showing you: you need him more than he needs you. Because he can give these prizes to whoever he wants. He can he can use these new comics, who will bring so many people he can just use them to win competitions so this is how he, he asserts dominance i think
0: what what's the difference what's the difference between her winning and someone else winning what's the difference to him
1: he uh, it benefits him more because he's the one who like organizes these competitions yeah, so but he doesn't take you any of it. You guys want well now now you guys want something from him. You want him to make the conditions more fair. So now he has leverage
0: over you. I mean, he people aren't going to want to do the competition because <laughs> they, they know that it doesn't matter how much how well you do. It's only matters how many people you bring. So it's not really a comedy competition. It's a how many people you, can you bring get to a room competition. Maybe maybe you just gotta bribe
1: dave cop a little bit and he'll change the rules
0: well i'm not i mean i've i'm i'm sure he's already gotten bitched at i didn't want i'm not (laughs) i mean like it was such an egregious violation of what was fair that i i mean everybody was not like people were not very happy with that outcome um so i mean i want to be like hey how about you, instead of having eight comics on this show, you, you cut it down to four so people get real set times and you don't put anyone on who hasn't been in comedy for five years, right? I'm talking about people who couldn't get 20 people in there if their life depended on it, you know, because everybody's already mm-hmm. sick of their shit. Uh, put people on that have headlined that room before. Make that a rule. Because then you know you're going to get the comics that have been doing it long enough that they don't have anyone that wants to come see them do comedy anymore, so they won't be able to pad the room with their own friends. Mm. Yeah, it could be.
1: I, I think he's just using this to like hook hook new people in comedy by giving them a big win.
0: Well, he needs new people because all the all the all the best people are doing Valina's shows because she pays. So, I mean. I saw the lineup for the next version of this uh, of this uh competition and the only person on that lineup that's been doing it longer than 2 years is Kyle P Ferris so but it doesn't matter cuz usually I'd be like oh Kyle's going to win cuz he's so much more experienced and funnier than the people that are the rest of the people but in reality he's probably got the least chance of winning you know what I mean hmm. it's like inverse merit
1: yeah he should do uh he should do it the way they're doing it here where the open mic is like a qualifier. And so you get selected for the tournament based on how you do it, at the open mic. And then like the first round or like the first couple of rounds of the tournament, the audience vote can help you get through to the next stage, but it's not the only thing. Like there's also, you should you know, also think, have like someone scoring it too. So
0: there's like a combo of. Yes. I think a combination of judges and audience vote should be, yeah. um, like I think the judges should be have final say, but the audience vote should have should be taken into consideration uh, as well. you know, anyways,' been bitching about this for fifteen minutes now. Um, <laughs> did we have a plan for this week? I know we were going to discuss the last book of that trilogy, but um, I don't know if you had a, a, another subject you wanted to talk about.
1: no, i'm uh I'm ready. I think you are more versed on this subject than me, though, so...
0: Yes, so did you do you any... Should. So, we're talking about Death's End. It's the last book in the trilogy that has a name, I didn't realize. Uh,
1: the Remembrance of Earth's Past?
0: Yes. I just was mm-hmm. calling it to the Three-Body uh, three Problem series. Um, so, this one is... It goes all the fucking way, essentially, to the end of the universe. Uh, The time's ban in this book is insane. Um, But essentially, um, I'm trying to remember where book two ends and where book three begins. But uh, the aliens uh, pretty much enslave humanity, and then humanity sends out a message to the universe everyone else in the universe and essentially condemns both the aliens that are invading and humanity to death by doing that. Right. It's the whole dark theory, our dark force theory that we were talking about last episode. Deterrence. Um, Deterrence. We didn't, we didn't
1: quite actually get into the deterrence in the last episode.
0: Okay. So um, the aliens are coming to invade uh, earth and the only way that cause they're so much more advanced than humanity as far as their ways of, of fighting that humanity is pretty much not gonna be able to stand a chance at winning, right? The aliens right. they sent a probe out uh, to get to Earth way before the actual fleet goes, and the 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 single probe they send out destroyed all of humanity's uh military in like half an hour. Or so like it's the power difference was insane. So there's no way Humanity would stand a chance, so they had to figure out a way. And then when one of the characters realizes this dark th- forest theory, the way he stops the alien invasion is by essentially threatening to send out a message into space, the locations of both the alien invasion planet and Earth's planet. Essentially a, uh, a, uh, a mutual, uh, mutually assured destruction tactic. Right. And that's the deterrence era when they figure out when the aliens figure out that the humans have figured out that that's the scenario. And then they essentially have this button that they have their hand on and are like, if you guys uh, try and kill us, I'm pressing the button. And then it's only a matter of time before your planet's destroyed and our planet's destroyed. The doomsday button. Yeah, essentially. (laughs) And the person who holds it is called the sword holder. And, uh, yeah. And he literally just sits in a in a bunker with his hand on this button just in Damn. case the alien <laughs> talk about carpal tunnel. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so what ends up happening is uh the button gets given to a person who the aliens believe won't press it and they're correct and they end up enslaving humanity briefly. Mm-hmm. and uh they keep the ability the, uh, for humans to the doctrine of send deterrence out this it only message.
1: works if they think it's good. sorry
0: yeah it only works if they both like if they're convinced that the person will press the button and so when they give it to this new person because the other guy was getting too old and had already been fucking holding this button for like 70 years uh the, the aliens deduce that this new person won't press it Because they just don't have it in them to uh, essentially condemn two civilizations to death. So uh, they do a little read on this person. They're like, you don't have the fucking guts. And then they invade Earth and they destroy what they believe is all of the uh, mechanisms to broadcast out the message of the locations of the planets. Um, But unbeknownst to them there's a spaceship well actually was known to them there was a spaceship way outside of the solar system that also could make the broadcast and although the aliens had planned to destroy those ships before they could do it what happens is the humans essentially are able to broadcast uh the location of the alien planet out which results in it being destroyed by a bigger, more powerful alien civilization. And one of the the only reason they were able to do that before the the aliens could destroy their spaceship that could broadcast was because they accidentally uh, fly into a zone of they essentially f- discover the fourth dimension, which allows them to dismantle these probes uh, that previously were impossible to penetrate or dismantle. So they go into a higher dimension, dismantle the probes before the probes can destroy their ship, and thus are able to send out the message. And uh, that was mind-blowing because it describes what being in the fourth dimension is like, and it was very hard to imagine what they were describing. Uh, I don't know if you remember any of that, or did you haven't read this book. I'm realizing no, I haven't I haven't read this, this book, um, but the fourth dimension is, uh, essentially there's no, nothing is hidden from view and nothing is, is uh, you're not, and there's nothing that you, so like, as far as like distances and like, like, uh, one of the things was they realized that if they weren't careful, they could accidentally like, uh, uh, you know, uh, put their hand through their own organs. Um, By accident? (laughs) By (laughs) accident. Sure. (laughs) (laughs) I just sat on my hand. It sounds like the way they're describing (laughs) it is that they can see every part of the human body inside and out at all times and every part of any mechanism inside and out at all times. So there's no, uh, it's, it's basically you have unlimited access to anything that is in the third dimension. So, Anything you look at in the third dimension from the fourth dimension, you can see everything about it with no, there's no, nothing hidden. You can interact with any part of it. Right. So they, they were in the fourth dimension. They saw the alien probe and now realize that they can see all of its inner mechanisms and they can go in there and uh, manipulate it, which is how they dismantled it. Um, But the beings, they also, they also run into, uh, spaceships that were from the fourth dimension and those look kind of normal to them because they're all they were always in the fourth dimension. So it's not until you look down to the third dimension does everything become super weird. Anyways hmm. um that starts the what they call the broadcast era, right? So now they know the messages sent out and they know it's only a matter of time before they're destroyed. And that is enough to send the alien invaders to they essentially abandoned their entire invasion plot and they just turned their fleet and head somewhere else trying to look for a different planet, but they're still in communication with the humans the whole time. And, uh, eventually I forget how long it is, but the alien planet does get destroyed. They witness it. They, the, 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 uh, the, uh, I don't know what you would call these super advanced civilizations. They, they throw a, what they call a, um, a uh photoid which is essentially a little tiny little mass thing at light speed through the star and it explodes and it consumes the planet and uh that's it and so humanity's like holy fuck what if they do that to our sun and they've realized that they could hide they could survive theoretically that happening to their solar system if they've made space cities and hid them behind Jupiter. So that becomes the main plan to survive the uh incoming attack on their sun is to make space cities and hide them behind Jupiter. And uh so that's where all the hope of humanity lies is in these space cities. And it goes into great detail about all these different cities and how they're built and like what uh what happened and, and uh I don't know. Am I just summarizing? Is this what this episode is? I'm just going to summarize this whole book. I don't know what I had in mind here, um, <laughs> but, uh, I
1: don't know. I've, I've just been listening. It's been, uh, it's been very interesting.
0: So it, at There's one so point in the book, one point in the book, which is very interesting is the alien there. They, it cuts to the view of a totally different alien race, right? It's it, for one brief little chapter in the book. You are in the, the, uh, alien spaceship of the super super advanced civilization that destroyed the other one star and the the interesting thing is that you're getting it you're in the point of view of this one alien right and it seems to be his job to just scan the universe for civilizations and destroy Mm -hmm. them but he's like a very lowly ranking uh entity in his society like he's like interacting with the other aliens in the ship and they like don't respect him or his job of eliminating so like that's how big that's how big of a gap there is is that this guy's essentially like a garbage man in his society and he's just cleaning up civilizations that might become advanced one day and he just and he's singing the whole they call him the singer in the book because the whole time he's just singing to himself while he's flicking these little mass dots at stars that he thinks are hiding civilizations. Damn. He's like the janitor. Yeah, wow. essentially. And then he spots. So he, he's, and it, this is when you realize like how futile all of humanity's efforts were for the entire trilogy, because he, as soon as he sees the, uh, alien force, he eliminate, he fl- literally tells him he just picks up this little dot and flicks it at the star. And that's what destroys their whole civilization. Just like absentmindedly. mindedly. And then um, he realizes that, so oh, they were communicating with a different civilization cool, uh... right before. Well, no, he doesn't seem very smart. He's just part of this super advanced civilization, right? So he flicks this dot at the at the star of the invading alien force that destroys their home planet completely, just nonchalantly, another day on the job. You know, it literally is simple as picking up a piece of trash for this thing. And then he realizes that they were talking to humanity. And he looks at humanity and is like, oh, look at these guys. Um, essentially, he's like, I can't believe they were broadcasting their location. Like, how stupid are they? And why haven't they hidden themselves? That becomes a, a thing where it's possible to hide yourself by enshrouding your pl- your solar system in a in a bubble that slows down light speed. So it becomes... You appear as just a black void, and you can't mm-hmm. leave, and nothing can go in, and nothing can leave. So, this alien's like, I don't know why they wouldn't have done that. Are they? They can they not do that? Like, are they that primitive that they can't hide themselves like that? Uh, anyways, he's like, all right, I'm gonna flick this dot at their sun just in case, and he realizes that the right away he realizes that they could hide behind Jupiter, right? So he's like, oh, I can't do that. I got to use this other weapon that we're not really supposed to be using, but everybody's using it. So why not? We'll just use it too. that. He literally asked like his manager, like, am I, is it cool if I use this? Cause I know we're not really supposed to be using these weapons and the managers like, I don't care. Everybody's using them. Just use them. Stop, stop bothering me. I have bigger problems. Like, and so he's like, all right. So Uh, he takes his other weapons and and he, and it's, it looks like a little tiny slip of paper, and he shoots it at humanity. And humanity goes and sees it, and they it's literally the size of a credit card, and they can't tell what it is, and it's just floating there. And suddenly, it starts expanding, and it start what it does. This is the weapon that they use. It collapses anything that comes in contact with it from the third dimension to the to two dimensions. So it, you collapse from some a third three-dimensional object into a two-dimensional object so essentially it just turns everything into like the flattest sheet of possible so every molecule is side by side there's no layers of anything it just becomes as thin as possible right i'm talking no third dimension no thickness whatsoever so they shoot that at the at the solar system and slowly there's a scene where two two of the humans are on Pluto watching their entire solar system turn into two dimensions and it's wild. There's a wild thing that they describe and it's like, it's kind of like what they were describing in the fourth dimension, looking at the three dimensions again, except for now it's, you're in the third dimension looking at two dimensions and it's just, there's, you see every detail of everything because nothing can be hidden behind anything. Cause there's no, way to hide behind something if there's only two dimensions so right like when humans fall into it they become this just massive image of a human spread out over like a football field side but you can see like every <laughs> every blood vessel every blood cell every shred of yeah. muscle they have all their bones wow. laid out f- completely thin flat wow. and they watch their entire the entire solar system be t- turned into these two dimensions like a crap And the only way you can escape it is by traveling at light speed. And earlier in the book, when they were trying to develop light speed, it was deemed illegal. So humanity had not developed that one thing they needed to escape this attack, which was light speed propulsion. And the reason they didn't develop it is because they witnessed other uh they they realized that other spaceships they looked at the other alien spaceships that were they had reached light speed capability every time they entered light speed there would be this kind of bubble that formed and expanded like a gravitational wave and that would be a dead giveaway to anyone watching that there's something there right So humanity is like, we can't be doing that because if we, if someone, if one time someone enters light speed too close to earth, it'll be like a huge sign that they're, they're there. So they make it illegal to their detriment at the end (laughs) because it causes their demise. Damn. Wow. Incredible. Yes. It is. It's insane. It is an insane book. So two humans survive the, I forget what they call it. Dimension D like, the uh flattening of the solar system the great pancaking (laughs) yeah the great pancaking and then they realize that these weapons once they're deployed they do not stop aka Uh it just goes on and on and on and then they start realizing that the universe used to be have 10 dimensions or something like that right But the civilizations that would occupy these dimensions kept using these types of weapons until the dimension was completely gone, right? So now they're realizing that because when they do enter the fourth dimension, they meet this structure that talks to them and tells them that there's only a few puddles of the fourth dimension left because people were using these weapons in that dimension too until the fourth dimension essentially dried up and there was only the third and second dimension left. And then now they're using these other ones. So soon everything will only be two dimensions. And this causes a panic uh, later on the book. uh, When aliens finally like civilizations finally start trying to communicate to each other that they got to stop doing this because eventually it's just going to eliminate all dimensions in the universe. But then there's some civilizations that think that's the only way to reset it back to 10 is to take them all away past one dimension and then it'll reset the universe to become a 10 dimensional utopia again and uh essentially that's kind of where the book ends up is all the uh civilizations in the universe pleading to each other to um stop this madness and i guess the philosophy is the idea that civilizations have can have that type of effect on nature itself and how much of nature is actually how it was originally how much of physics could potentially have been manipulated by technologies like this because at one point in the book they realize that um, advanced enough civilizations do not use weapons like lasers or railguns or nuclear bombs they use essentially the laws of physics as weapons Um, such as taking away a dimension or enshrouding or slowing down light speed around a solar system. So nothing can escape. Well, and it's a horrific realization for the characters that, Oh, like the universe might've been so much different if, civilizations weren't using this technology to fight each other because it like i said that two-dimensional weapon it doesn't have an end it just keeps going until the whole universe is two dimensions mm-hmm. so that's kind of like the uh, big existential reveal is that they realize that physics as they know it are probably not how they always were because of uh intelligent life fucking with it
1: Right. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of, uh, interesting philosophical phil- philosophical topics coming up there. Um, I feel less qualified to talk about the philosophy of science stuff where it's like the laws of physics are, are changing. And we, can we really know what the laws of physics are if we can't test them everywhere in the universe and that sort of thing?
0: Yeah. But and I just think the I'm- idea that like, uh, you know, na the, the laws of nature are not really laws of nature. They're just the abomination that's the result of intelligent life messing mm. around with with it.
1: Yeah. I, I I don't know. I it's an interesting an interesting point that like we can't really know for sure that the laws of nature can't be changed. But that's also like this is like the Humean point that like we can't We don't really know the laws of nature deductively, because we've only tested. We can't test them an infinite number of times in an infinite number of different environments and contexts and scenarios. So we have to reason by induction, which is we can say that it's probable that the laws of nature are the same everywhere, but we don't really know that for sure. Right. So that's but but it also it isn't cause for much concern like i don't think we should think that like doing science is pointless because things might be might be different in different scenarios and locations Um,
0: yeah so like the like when they go they accidentally find themselves in the fourth dimension everything functions so much differently and like uh even like the just managing their uh um physical selves is like a huge task for these people just to manage their own physical bodies in these new dimensions um but yeah overall very interesting stuff the third book is very gets really into the weeds like the very very end um the uh the civilizations start constructing their own universes to to wait in until the so people want to kind of wait out because of time dilation they can wait out till the very end of the universe and wait for it to collapse back into itself and then they think that's going to be uh another big bang right how do they wait it how do they dilate time by creating a universe out like a mini universe outside of the main universe where they sit in there and they wait Um, how do they make a mini universe well it doesn't really get into that but you're essentially are just led to believe that the, the that's how advanced some of these civilizations are. But this is how the book ends: is the main characters have been given their own little civil their own little universe to wait because they all because the universe is so fucked because of all this warfare using like dimensional weapons and stuff that it's pretty much everybody's come to the realization that there's no ch- that it's going to be unlivable until. Uh, the universe eventually collapses back into itself and a new Big Bang is made. And then they can leave their private universes and go into the new universe, right? Where everything's kind of back to where it should be. But so many civilizations make their own universes that they've removed enough mass from the main universe that it's no longer going to collapse back into itself and it's just going to keep spreading out and and then suffer that heat death, right?
1: So these mini universes, these are like... These are like beach cottages that the civilization goes to to wait out the winter. To wait out the
0: fucked up universe. But it requires taking mass from the main universe. And then so many civilizations make their own universes to wait it out that they've taken so much mass that it no longer has enough mass that it'll actually collapse back into itself. Hold on a second.
1: How do you take mass out of the universe? That doesn't make sense.
0: Well. Everything's in the universe. That's, that's, I don't know. That's what they said in the book. All right. So the issue is that, so then there's like a massive message that's sent out to all civilizations hiding in their own universes. uh, That says (laughs) you got to put the universe back into the universe or else it won't reset. And it's a plea for all these people to essentially accept their own deaths in order to restart the universe again. And, uh, yeah, so it gets into some very, like, weird c- cerebral. Like, it just gets very weird in the third book. Everything <laughs> is very, very weird compared to the first and second book. It's <clears> like yeah, a lot of it's hard to wrap your mind around. The, uh,
1: the deterrence stuff is is totally based on, uh, nuclear weapons policy.
0: Yeah, it seems which is like the theory
1: it. of deterrence, which mm-hmm. is, it was the theory in nuclear weapons policy that the best. The best use of nuclear, like your deterrence, is the idea that you, if you attack us, you will inf- you will suffer so much damage that it's not worth it.
0: Yeah. So, and like another way to
1: think about it is like, say, war is politics by other means. If mm-hmm. you start a war to achieve a certain political objective. But thought, if you start a war with a nuclear armed power, then you will suffer so much damage that no political objective could possibly be worth attacking
0: them. And so, yeah, that's it's a every it's a very it's the it's a lose lose situation in the biggest way, right? The way I thought about the dark forest uh, deterrence was: imagine a two siblings with an abusive alcoholic father, right? So the dad, uh is in the house drunk and angry as usual violent and the older brother is coming to beat up the youngest brother now the youngest brother knows that the older brother <clears throat> has enough vicious, enough uh violence in him that he could seriously damage him right if not kill him so what he does is he screams out for dad and he, even though he knows drunk dad will come out and beat the shit out of both of them, he still does it because he, he figures that he'll be more likely to survive his dad's beating than his brother's beating. But in reality, he's just threatening to yell for dad, right? If you ever had a younger sibling, you've experienced this, right? They threaten to tell on you. And that's essentially what the dark forest deterrence was is I'm going to tell <laughs> the bigger aliens that were here. If you come and beat me up. Right. And the bigger aliens will just blow up everybody to yeah. eliminate any
1: potential threats.
0: Yes. And so what's interesting is that the, the aliens, the initial invading aliens already knew that this was the reality of the universe, that there was such big advanced, uh, civilizations out there that if you make a noise or reveal your location and you're not sufficiently advanced, you are going to get killed. Like it's not about, it's not about if it's a, when, right? So the alien invaders knew that the whole time and they knew that humanity did not know that mm-hmm. until they realized that one person was starting to figure that out. And they were trying to get their agents on earth. Cause there's humans that like side with the aliens and are like, kind of like they're, they're, inside agents and they tell Qu- them Quis- Qu- Quislings Quislings yeah that was the name of the
1: uh, uh, Finnish I think uh, oh no sorry he was the prime minister of Norway during World War II and he was like a Nazi uh, sympathizer right and,
0: so he would do the bidding of the Hitler country. yeah, yeah. So that's what these humans were and they were tasked with trying to kill this guy because, and they didn't know why they were tasked with trying to kill this guy but they just knew the aliens really really were scared of this one guy and that's kind of like a mystery throughout especially the second book is this guy realizes that for some reason he's a major target uh, even though he's not like he doesn't have any real like military background or or like he doesn't have any background of being dangerous he's just a regular guy but he just the aliens just realize that he's almost stumbling upon the fact that the universe is a dark forest and they know that if he finds that out he can suddenly have this deterrence this threat against them that otherwise they wouldn't know they wouldn't they yeah so anyways very interesting series i was just completely uh caught up in it and uh although the third book does get really like weird with the extra dimensional shit and you know, separate universes and and uh, you know areas of space where light doesn't go light speed i never really felt like i was it was that like hard to like it didn't it didn't come across as like i'm too dumb to to read this book <laughs> you know like I didn't ever feel like I was starting to read a physics uh, textbook.
1: Yeah. Cause it's not, it's,
0: it's all, I don't know all the dimension stuff. I think there's a lot of stuff about dimensions. Yeah. It's very speculative. Yes. But I think that the, they think that the higher dimensions are super, super small, like like <laughs> quantum level small. That's what they think. Oh, is it
1: there? like, I don't know. Like I get, so I get very like logically
0: that, kind of doesn't make sense to me, but I don't yeah. know. Yeah, like they say that when these small, small, tiny, there's another part earlier on in the first book, actually, where the aliens are trying to make these Sophons, which are these proton computers, and in trying to make them, they're uh, colliding these particles, and they they find a civilization in a quantum particle <laughs> that communicates with them briefly and they realize that there's civilizations on the micro on like the atomic level in different dimensions it was at, okay it is a little bit weird but That's just i'm dumb. telling you that the way that i it's written does not feel uh too convoluted
1: there's a rick and morty episode about that there's ant man and the wasp quantum mania is about that
0: oh is it and it's I just i
1: don't know it. i don't know it's just kind of silly that like so, like, you can go into a subatomic particle, and in the subatomic particle are things that are like way smaller than the subatomic particle. In fact, things that need their own subatomic particles to make sense. Do they? So there's, yeah, like if you if you have a universe, right? Well, I think that looks exploit... like our universe. Well,
0: that's if you're keeping it all in one. When it happens one... To the same physical structure as our universe. Well, if you're in the same dimension. That's the problem. That's what they're saying, is that it's a different dimension they're in.
1: Uh, Yeah, but in that dimension, it has all the dimensions from the previous dimension.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Look, I don't think either of us are qualified to talk talk of any authority about this, but uh, I'm just telling you that's what happened in the book. I haven't seen the Ant-Man series. I don't... My Marvel is really <laughs> oh, yeah. sh- shit. The bed. I, I've been hearing how bad this Phase Four Marvel thing is. The whole thing. Ah, oh, well, the
1: superhero genre needs to needs to die. It's time. It does. It needs nothing. To... This.
0: It's it's just been
1: the same fucking movie over and over and over again. For years. I know. I'm I know.
0: Done. It's insane. And people are getting people are 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 getting done. They're, they're, There's they're fatigue. Finished. I can't yeah. handle this. I, I, like, I
1: heard a great review recently that they were like, the I, the most unbelievable thing about this movie is that the characters were in a physical room interacting with actual physical objects.
0: <laughs> <laughs> as soon as they introduce time travel and multi dimension or multiple dimensions or the multiverse, it's like nothing matters anymore. There's no stakes at yeah. all because everything yeah. can be reversed or you can go to a different universe. You can, it's like the the only thing that gives it high stakes is that there is only one planet Earth, <laughs> and there's only now, one yeah.
1: now you know there's like an infinite number of them yeah. yeah,
0: so it's like, what are we fighting against here? and uh everything has to be such high stakes, like there like it's like every single superhero movie, the stake is the the entire planet right like yeah all of humanity is always at stake right it's never mm-hmm. it's it just needs to be more low i want like a local like gotham like that's what batman's good at yeah he, batman should go after like a shitty mcdonald's manager or something
1: <laughs> like, <laughs> like some like asshole. The dark
0: Knight trilogy uh it's <laughs> only about gotham right that's the, what that's yeah. what's at stake not humanity as a whole it just takes you it's just way too drastic that's why i yeah. want a good spider-man movie where it's like you know, you bring it real back to the neighborhood, you know, you're t- you're stopping a kingpin, not a fucking robot that's going to, you know, or an alien that's going to steal a dimension. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, let's let's bring it back a little bit. Everything's so ma- cranked to the max as far as yeah. high stakes and anything can happen. You can go into any universe. You can reverse time, you bring people back to life. What the fuck is going on here? You know, why am I going to see these movies at this point? Hello? Uh
1: Uh-oh. Hello? Might have lost Jordan here. I think we lost Sam. This is not good. This is not good. I think we've lost Jordan. Uh Uh-oh. All right, I'm just going to try and contact him for a second here. Ah, the magic of the What the hell? The ends of our microphones have become disconnected. That's how we started. We started talking about how we're on two ends of a microphone, and now we're on neither end of a microphone. Just totally adrift. I'm just going to text him here. I think you dropped... The connection. I'm going to blame him. I'm going to say you dropped the connection. It's your fault. Yep. His little icon is red. He's offline. His internet is dead. Well, I don't know. I did know if this is going to get recorded, but... I might as well just uh, apologize for the technical difficulties that we've suffered here. And... It looks okay to be that Jordan has completely lost uh, internet. I'm gonna call him. I'm gonna call his cell phone. Call him on his cell phone. This is real professional of us, but hey, we have no ads, right? How many podcasts can post that no ads at all to affect your experience of this show? Hello. We might be the best adless. Podcast best sponsorless podcast.
0: Hello, <laughs> oh my god, he's back. I'm back. Well, my internet completely cut out there, so um, I don't know. What... Yeah, this
1: episode might be a little patchy, <laughs> might
0: be. You might have to edit a little chunk out. Do you know how to do that? Or are you just gonna leave uh... it? Maybe I'm gonna see if it, like what the that part of time, so, anyways. Let's wrap it up before that happens again. I was uh, just
1: saying, we're the. <laughs> yeah, I was just apologizing um, for that. Um,
0: but anyways. you're back. That's great. Oh yeah, yeah. Let's wrap this up now, just in time to say bye. All right. Um, I'm gonna check this, the audio, and see what happened there. But yeah, my entire internet for my house just dropped out. So, <sighs> well, when will we? Well, That's what happens have... when
1: you live in a giant valley, right? Is it? I guess the the mountainsides, I would think, create sort of like a well.
0: Well, there you go, folks. Send your angry <laughs> emails to the mountains. <laughs> the mountains of Okanagan Valley. All right. That's our episode. Maybe next week we'll have a perfectly produced episode, uh, but that's not really our style. If you've ever been listening <laughs> for any amount of time, you know that we must have egregious audio issues all the time. Okay. I'll talk to you guys next week Goodbye Bye